Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Bucks in the basement. Pirates season has finished. Baseball will continue without them. But just wanted to bring back Mike Piersack uh, from the Post Gazette uh, to kind of recap the season a little bit, what we have to look forward to uh, coming up. Mike, thanks for jumping back on, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well, Craig. Good to talk to you again. Number one, first of all, thank you for you and Jason for doing such a great job. You know, covering the team, giving us a lot of good articles to read constantly. Um, and it definitely has to be tough to get through that that 162 grind. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you saying that. It, it's it's uh, it's more of a pleasure than than maybe people would think it is. Like it, it's it doesn't feel like a, doesn't necessarily feel like a chore to us to cover like a, you know, 100 loss team or whatever. Like it's still people who people care and people who interact with it it, it makes it all worth it so it, 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 i appreciate you saying that in the this 162 game 101 loss season what's like one aspect of the team as a whole that you know was kind of maybe showed some promise in the team or was was like one of the more positive aspects of the team for the season so as a group like they really did play good defense and i guess like I know. Well, I think that this team may be proof that, like, you know, good team defense, it can't lead you to, like, you know, like an, a 92 win season on its own or anything like that. Like, you know, obviously, because this team is where it is, but they really did earnestly play good, good team defense. Um, and to me, like, that's, that's the big positive. And that's um, what Derek Shelton has pointed out, what Ben Charrington has pointed out in terms of, like, you can go on an individual level in terms of, um, you know, Kevin Newman improved a ton. Just having Key Brian Hayes in there for a majority of your games will improve it on its own because he's so good at third base. Uh, subbing in Colin Moran for Josh Bell uh, for the most part will, uh, helps, even though even though Colin Moran isn't like a stud defensive first baseman or anything. Um, that was an improvement there. Uh, what they got out of Adam Frazier early in the year and then the guys who replaced him at second base was an improvement, even down to Ben Gamble and Anthony Alford and, and Brian Reynolds in center field. And obviously Jake Stallings behind the plate. Right field was a little bit touch and go, but, 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 you know, I think that that is a positive that they can say like, okay, well we challenge guys to get better at defense and they did. So um, there's that. And then, uh, you know, I think that I, I, when I entered the season, uh, I said that, that really if this Pirates, season went as poorly as, as we considered or thought that it might. And, and it really did that there were only like individual players who would be all that important, right? Like the team results, it's okay. Um, it's, it, you know, it's, it's okay if the team as a whole isn't, isn't great. Uh, but the individual players are important. And so I think at that point I, I pointed out Mitch Keller, Brian Reynolds and key Brian Hayes. 
Uh, obviously, Mitch Keller was up and down. Brian Hayes had his injury issues, but Brian Reynolds coming back in the manner that he did is a huge positive. Like, I, I don't think it can be overstated. Like, it, it's, it's, I think people entered this year probably thinking that Key Brian Hayes was like the main offensive piece, cornerstone, building block type thing. And maybe he will end up being like that kind of player. But this year changed my mind to be like, no, actually, Brian Reynolds is that player. Like, he's that good. Uh, he should get MVP votes. He's one of nine players to finish with a, three, a 300 batting average or better. Um, had an OPS over 900. Down the line, his stats are fantastic. He had an unbelievably good season on a pretty bad team. He's part of the future, man. Like he's he's so good, and I think that that's as encouraging of a development as you could possibly look for. Yeah, and I mean, even just showing some extra power that you know a lot of us may have thought wasn't there. But as far as like the team defense goes, that's where like I often come to the defense of uh, somebody like Joey Cora, who you know gets a lot of like crap for you know sending Colin Moran or or whatever it might be. But you don't see like, you know, him and like Donnie Kelly and all these guys working with these players on, you know, improving that defense. I mean, we got to see, you know, pictures of even most recently with with Joey Cora just sitting out there and just tossing balls out to O'Neill Cruz to work on like his reaction time and just to get him, you know, up to speed and and to work on that kind of stuff. And it's just those those little things that you know, we don't really see what we see is, you know, the the windmill arm of Joey Cora, who really wants his guys to score, and it frustrates us to no end. But we don't see, you know, everything they do uh, throughout the season and 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 in spring training and, and whatever it may be to get those players up to speed. You did, you know, point out, you know, Brian Reynolds being that player that kind of. You know, we knew it was in there to a degree from his 2019 season. 2020 was absolutely terrible. Um, but he definitely jumped off the page as one of those players that's like, wow, he definitely can be, you know, one of those pieces. Is there like another player on the team um, other than him or like a Gabrian Hayes that maybe stood out to you? Uh, let's go with the position player first that stood out to you as showing that promise and, and kind of maybe taking that step forward um, into the future. <clears throat> I think that we should include uh, Jacob Stallings in this discussion, but, but I, I don't, maybe he doesn't fit under the qualifications that you just set because he, he, he didn't really take a step forward. I don't think necessarily, I think it was just another step, you know, in the same direction, right? Like it, it, he's been this good, uh, especially defensively. Uh, but but his numbers are pretty consistent with what he did last year um, and what he's been. So it's not like he took like a giant leap forward and like changed your mind. He's just he's just really good as a defensive catcher, especially um, and solid as you know offensively too. He'll he'll give you what he can give you. So um, so so I think he should be mentioned just as like having a good year, but maybe not the same as like taking a step forward. And the but the but the rest, it's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like a small sample size or like still a question mark for some of them, right? Like, like Anthony Alford, I think definitely took a step forward, especially at the end of the season. And he showed me that he like, like I, I personally believe that he should be on at least in, in spring training with them next year. Like they should, they should give him a chance. Uh, and whether it turns into him being like the fourth outfielder or whatever, 
Like, I don't know, but and because it's a small sample size and he could still certainly fall back to earth and the strikeout rate is what it is. But but I, I think that he showed some real promise here at the end of the season. And so, like, that, that still qualifies for me as, like, a guy who's taking a step forward, even if it's still, like, an incomplete grade. Like, you're not exactly sure what it'll turn into. I think another guy you can point to is Ben Gamble, um, who was a great waiver claim for them. But it's kind of a similar spot where I don't think he, he would be, like, a – he probably wouldn't be a starting outfielder on like a playoff team or whatever, but like a guy who who, who could certainly turn into like a, a a pirate for a couple of years here if he can prove that that at least the numbers this season weren't really a fluke. So I don't know. Like the the problem the problem here is that like the guys you name are like it's still not super high ceiling guys, right? Like you could even throw Wilmer Defoe into that mix of a guy who sort of impressed or Yoshi Tsutsugo, um, maybe a different category a little bit, but like. Guys who maybe don't have like a ceiling of being, you know, like a top top guy or like a cleanup hitter in a winning lineup or anything like that, but they showed something nonetheless. And so I think there are a few fringe guys here who who have proven that like it's worth probably keeping them around to get another look at them um, heading into next season, which I think is really all you can ask for for some of those waiver claims, like uh, you know, like low key trade candidates or whatever. Yeah, and like you pointed out with with you know Anthony Alford, like giving him a shot and bringing him into to spring training isn't isn't really gonna isn't gonna block anybody. It's not gonna be that big of a deal. And I mean, I hate to say it and, and be like this, you know, I guess it would be callous about it. Would be he's been DFA'd once. It, it there's no nothing to stop you know Charrington from from doing the same thing again if this just happens to be that small sample size. But you do know we have the time here to, to maybe just take that risk and say, you know, is what we saw once he came back up from AAA more of what he's going to be? And I believe that it, that is what it is, as opposed to a guy who, you know, is going to hit not at all like he did at the beginning of the season. But moving on to like a pitcher, who's a pitcher that you think, you know, just kind of maybe either took that step forward showed some promise and and maybe even surprised you a little bit as to how well he performed this season. Think think back to what you thought of David Bednar like coming into the season. Like I I was like I remember not really pounding the table but but being like okay this guy should make the opening day roster cuz he was dealing in spring training and I know it's spring training so like whatever. Um but with it being only spring training, I was like, Okay, this guy has shown enough to make the opening day roster, but my expectations were not Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> this. Like he's so good. And and we were talking to Oscar Marine, um when was that? I guess it was Saturday. And he was talking about how the big difference is like the development of, of Bednar's curveball. It's it's such a good pitch and, and the splitter is really good now and the fastball basically rides up to like ninety eight. Like He's good, dude. He's really, really good. I, you know, he won. He won like our our pitcher of the year award that we voted on as like the BBWAA chapter for for Pittsburgh, uh, and deservedly so. Like, I, I think the pitching is like a big question mark moving forward. But David Bednar is like the real like I don't know what's the opposite of question mark Ex- exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> he's the uh, I mean he's the guy who had an unbelievable season for them and and really one of the only pitchers that did have. Uh, have an unbelievable season for them. So, so like I think the answer has to be David Bednar. Yeah, absolutely, man. And 
And and I, we've been going so positive here, but you know, in a hundred and one loss season, that there definitely has to be some negatives. So we talked about the as, aspect of the team as a whole that you know maybe was a positive and showed you know promise within the team to be able to build upon. What is one aspect of the team as a whole that maybe concerns you a little bit more? I'm really like I don't know what they're gonna do with this bullpen. It's weird because, like, bullpens are, in theory, easier to build than any other position group, right? Because you can move any starter to the bullpen and have, like, a reasonable, not certainty, but a reasonable confidence that, that a guy is going to be able to figure it out. Like, say say they go into next season and they're like, okay, you know what, Stephen Brawl, you're going you're gonna to throw out of the bullpen, like... I, I have a pretty good amount of faith that Stephen Brault will be able to ramp up the velocity a little bit on his fastball and still control it and, and be fine out of there as, as a lefty. Um, and, and you know that's just that's just a hypothetical. Like I don't I absolutely. Don't but but so, so there's that side of it where I think that it's easy to build the bullpen. But but I, I don't know. Like they have so few sure things right now. Like even with Bednar, you know he's pretty much it like Chris Stratton if he if you know if they if they keep him around I you know it's possible that they were they would trade him this offseason I don't know um but beyond that like I don't I don't know like Blake Cedarland had a bunch of promise but now apparently he's coming back as a starter <laughs> like Luis Oviedo is going to be a starter so and you know not like they were too like they didn't really factor into this season anyways but there's two fewer arms that you have to take from. Uh, I didn't see like Nick Mears, I think is like, okay. Um, but he's still really young, but the rest of the guys, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, there are so few, like I said, so few like sure options out there that I have no idea what's going to happen. And that bullpen killed them down the stretch. Like a ton of things killed them, obviously. But how many times this year did we see, you know, a starter go, four or five innings like Mitch Keller had a good start and he was looking okay. And then you bring in, you know, Cody Ponce or Kyle Keller or, or Anthony Banda or Sam Howard or whoever, and they give up a home run or three runs or whatever. Like, you know, I don't know who has earned a spot out there right now or like what they're going to do. Cause you wouldn't think that they'd be like spending a bunch of money trying to find bullpen pieces this off season or anything like that. So um, that's, that's a spot that really, I think is concerning just because I, I don't know what their path forward is. Yeah. And like you were saying, like insert any name here, like you could insert Will Crow, he could ramp it up. He could be put in positions, you know, in the bullpen to, to be more successful, even though he did have, you know, a great outing on, on Friday night and we've seen glimpses of him. But like you said, with St- Stephen Brault, you could throw anybody in there that could, could possibly ramp up and, and use their best pitches but none of that's like really a guarantee. And, and then you also have to, you know, fill out the starting rotation at that point. Um, but going along the lines of, you know, that little bit of concerning stuff and you're talking about the bullpen, what's like, who's one pitcher that you maybe thought you were going to come into the season and get some answers on, but now you may have more question marks about them than you did at the beginning of the season. Dude, it's gotta be Mitch Keller, right? Yeah. I mean, what what did he actually prove to us? Like, I this was supposed to be the year where it was like, all right, we're gonna figure out what Mitch Keller is, and I still don't know what Mitch Keller is. Like, be, and and it's just you know, it's kind of funny that it works this way because it, it really just 
goes to show that baseball isn't like it's it's not finite like it, it's it's not always simple to just say okay this guy is good this guy is bad and have like a certain answer on it because I think there's still hope for Mitch Keller right like I don't think anyone's necessarily well I'm sure that there are people who have completely given up on him oh absolutely there are <laughs> they're out there De- definitely definitely are but you know he had a a, a bad year definitely. Uh, and he admitted that yesterday in sort of like his exit interview with us. Uh, but there's still the flashes, right? Like he still had really good starts. I mean, the whole beginning of the year, it was good start, bad start, good start, bad start, good start, bad start. Uh, and so like you can look at those good starts and say, well, this guy still has something. It's not like every single start was always terrible. And then he comes back in September and he was, he pitched pretty well in September. I, I, you know, I think there was the one start where he gave up his second to last start, he gave up six earned runs uh, in four innings, I think. No skew the numbers. Yeah, which is obviously bad. But, like, the rest, every other start, I think he made five uh, after September started, five or six. And every other start beyond that one was solid. Like, you can point to it and say, okay, like, we'll take that. Um, so that's a good end of the year. And he thinks he figured some things out. And so now we're just going to head into next season asking the same question, what is Mitch Keller? So... Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's more questions. It's just kind of the same question where it's like, all right, show me something. Cause you're going to get more chances. Like, let's see it, man. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. Who's a position player that that you may still have some of those concerns about uh, moving forward? Well, I think on the position player side, because I think the the pitchers are like there. There are so many question marks that I don't think there's going to be a ton of like off season movement. Maybe there will be some, um, you know, with some of the veterans, like maybe Chad Cool or Stephen Brault, like somehow they figure out a way to move on or, or trade them or, or you know whatever happens happens there just to clear some space but but there are so many question marks that I don't think you can reasonably say that Will Crow deserves to be in the rotation over you know Stephen Brault like for example like you know that all, all of those guys have question marks so I think that in a weird way that almost makes that position safer right yeah <laughs> so on the on the position player side there are going to be some decisions made because there's a lot of like upward movement from prospects. There are guys who really just had terrible seasons or whatever. And so my questions aren't necessarily like what they are. My questions are more what the pirates are going to do with them. And I think the, the one where I really don't have any idea of an answer is, is Colin Moran. Um, he was one of the best pirates hitters really this season, but especially in the first half. And then he was, he was quite bad down the stretch, like in September and, and afterwards. 
he struggled a ton. Um, and so, like, what does that mean? Because even at Tom Rand's ceiling, he's still not, like, a high home run, like, slugging first baseman, which is what you, I mean, that's what you want from that position. But, you know, if if, if this is his floor uh, this September, like, that was that was not not what you were hoping for at all. So I'm not sure like what exactly caused that. He he was talking about just kind of like getting out of his game plan, I guess, and just not being like not swinging at the pitches he wants to swing at. Like just kind of getting out of his head, I guess. Um, so there's that side of it, but but uh, you know, I think in general, I'm just curious what they think of of Colin Rand. I mean, he hit in, in the from September 1st onward, he hit 189 with a 618 OPS. Like that's that's bad. That's really really bad, obviously. So I, I don't know what exactly the Pirates think led to that or how much patience they'll have with him, but I think it'll be really interesting to see kind of where they see Colin Moran this offseason. Yeah, and with Colin Moran, I mean, some of it, I, Chris and I had talked about his you know injuries being you know hit on the hand, how much of that had to do with it. But then also, I mean, just watching some of the games recently, like you're saying like not, you know, being able to get out of his own head or maybe even just get out of his own way. You, you can tell there was just frustration at the plate with his approach, which before with, you know, Moran, he may not have always shown that, that power, but he showed the patience and he showed the ability to go with a pitch and hit it the opposite way. And it just kind of seemed like that he was just frustrated with himself and what he was swinging at and what he wasn't swinging at that he just didn't look like the same player that he had looked at looked like at the beginning of the season. I think he has a knack, and I, I would have to look it up in general, but I'm pretty sure he has a knack for just, like, hitting well in April anyways. So that is, you know, that is kind of like, I know that he does well early in the season um, anyways, but but like I said, like, to me, the, the question is not necessarily, like, I think he's put together a large enough body of work in his career to say like what he is, right? Like he's probably around like a 270 hitter and, um, you know, solid extra bases, but nothing like crazy. Um, but you want more than that from, even if you have to sacrifice some batting average, like you want home run power from that spot and he can give it to you in flashes. But, um, I think, I think you're probably looking for more than that from the first base position. If, if you're planning on competing, um, but I don't know. It it also seems harsh to say like, oh yeah, Colin Rand doesn't have a place on this team because he doesn't hit home runs. Like, I don't know. He's still he still is like what I said at the beginning of, of talking about him. He still is one of their best hitters on the team. Like that's still true. It's just he doesn't fit the profile, and so like, is that worth getting rid of him now? Like I you know I don't know. It's 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 just kind of a philosophy question that I have about Ben Charrington um, and and you know the Pirates in general. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting uh, to see what they do. But a, a guy that does not lack power, O'Neill Cruz, called up very late in the season. What's the reasoning for like a, a, a two game call up? Like, what do you see? And and I and and you can talk about like how how Shelton and and Charrington spoke about this as well. But like, what's the reasoning for a, a two game call up for a player? Yeah, I'm, well, I mean. Part of it is just like rewarding the player, um, because he did have such a good year, right? And he was he, he went nuts at AAA too. Uh, I think everyone was kind of aware of that, but he, you know, they called him up to AAA just to get him, you know, along with a bunch of other AA players because the AA season ended, and then there were still AAA games to be played. 
Um, and so they called up a bunch of the double-A guys just to get him more reps and, and more games and, and have him play a little longer. And O'Neill Cruz took that opportunity and just went crazy with it. He had five home runs, I think, in his first six games of triple-A. Like, uh, he, was, he was absolutely crushing the ball. So I think part of it, A, is rewarding him. I think part of it, B, is that they happen to have an open, an open spot with Key Brian Hayes going down. Um, they had, an, they had an, a position player slot to kind of offer. I think part of it is probably just like some goodwill with the fans at the end of the season. I think it just made sense in a lot of ways. Pretty low risk situation. And then, like, I don't know if you want to talk about um, the results yesterday, but I, I that home run is hard to believe. Like, I, I wrote about it um, in the game story, like, how many players on the planet can take that pitch and hit it 408 feet like out to right center like that? As hard as he did, pretty much from one knee. <laughs> crazy, man. It's really crazy. Like, Michael Givens, the the Reds pitcher who threw him the changeup, who, who was pitching at the time, like, that's a that's a chase pitch. Like, you're throwing that in the dirt. Uh, if he swings at that, you know, he's maybe tapping at foul. And he just launches it. Like, it, it's crazy the power this dude has he's like the only prospect who has that kind of power in the system, like maybe Mason Martin, but um, yeah. So, I mean, a, like he's, he to me is probably their most promising hitting prospect to me in terms of like his floor and ceiling. Um, And B, like, I think he earned it. I think it was probably a a sort of sign of goodwill with the fans. Um, It made sense in terms of roster construction. He was already on the 40 man. There was no risk of like DFAing someone or anything like that. So uh, I think it just kind of made all the sense in the world. And so, uh, so they did it. And, and, you know, personally, I'm glad they did. Yeah, absolutely. So moving forward, like what does this mean for next year for him? And two part question kind of, does his position matter? Um. I'll get to the second one. I think I can dive into that pretty well. But so the first one, uh, I mean, he's going to come up at some point next year. Like he's he's going to play. Um, but what this does mean is that they, he won't he won't be on the opening day roster, right? Uh, just because of service time situations, like he and and Ronzi Contreras, um, and you know we'll see what they end up doing with like Kranich and Yahuri. But um, because they played this year, if you put them on the opening day roster next year you just lose a, cert, a, a, a year of service time for these two games. And they're not going to do that. So uh, they're not going to make the opening day roster. I'd be pretty shocked that the Pirates were just willing to kind of waste that year of service time just to get an extra few games of them in April. They can call them up later on and, and, and you know, wait till that doesn't matter anymore. And, and that's fine. But I also think that's okay, right? Like he barely played in AAA. Like if you start him in AAA and just like let him get some reps there and get comfortable and then call him up later in the season, that's fine. No harm done. Your second question about his position, it's really interesting, man. Uh, so it, uh, anyone who watched him, like, he has some errant throws from shortstop, and that's that's his problem is that his arm is not always consistent in terms of accuracy. Like, he was really making Comrade work over there. And when I talked to the infield coach, uh, Gary Green, over in Altoona earlier this season, he was talking about, like, part of his development is saying, like, listen, dude, you have cannon. Uh, you don't have to throw like a hundred percent on every throw. Like you need to, you need to control this and make sure that you're throwing accurately. And if that means throwing at 50 or 60% or whatever, like fine, do it. But at the same time, everyone I've talked to both in the organization and scouts who have seen him, they, they, 
they think the Pirates would be crazy to move him from shortstop. Like at least right now, you let him play until he's until he proves like okay, yeah, he's he's not a shortstop anymore. Because the profile, uh, like if if you have a guy who can hit like he can, uh, a power hitter who can also play shortstop and be okay, um, the value of that player is just so much larger than if he's a corner outfielder who can hit like that. Like there, you know what I'm saying? Like there are a lot of corner outfielders Absolutely. who can hit home runs. There are not many shortstops who can hit home runs like that. So, um, so to me, like the Pirates should and probably will just let him play shortstop until he says, you know, I can't until he proves he can't do it anymore. There's some growth to be done, but I, but I, I think that, I think you're right that it doesn't really matter what position he plays. Like if he gives that bat, like you'll take him at whatever position. But I think he provides more value as shortstop as as you know anyone who hits thirty home runs at shortstop or whatever. That, yeah, that's a ton of value. Keep following Mike on uh, on Twitter at Mike D Piersack, uh, reading his stuff, reading Jason's stuff. You know, going to the off season just because you know baseball is over for the Pirates. I. Uh, it does not mean that the news stops. So we're going to definitely have to get you back on here during the off season, Mike, to just keep the conversation going. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure we, uh, we will talk Rule Five at some point. I'll, 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 I'll already start gearing up for that. Abs- absolutely, man. You better, you better start studying up on every single player and who's available and everything. But man, thank you so much for jumping back on, brother. Can't wait to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Greg. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing but this.